Welcome to the Provo Pick and Roll Podcast. Joining me today, as always, is the dad joke telling my bad announcing newly engaged point guard, Jordan Kress. Congratulations, Jordan, on your um, recent engagement. Thanks. Yeah, really excited about it. And so really, and then this is a very significant uh experience today too because this will also be Elizabeth's first time on the podcast so I was yeah. really just waiting for us to get engaged to have her on um so this is a big step I don't know if you guys realize how big this day is but it's it's huge really so, glad so to she be doesn't here. she obviously doesn't mind that she's marrying going to marry someone who um spends their time doing a podcast that no one listens to on a regular basis yeah, that's I, good. yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. That's impressive. Yeah. That's and she's impressive, even Jordan. willing to participate in it as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even though she knows like probably no one will listen to it except yeah. for the small viewership that we have. But yeah. We'll see how long that lasts. Fun. But that's good. We'll that's see how good it goes. Um, support by her. That's yeah. that's impressive. It's a good sign. It's one of, you know, one of the classic things that you should do in any relationship to to really, you know, assess how it's going is to have them on your podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And it really also, says, says we... a lot. It says a lot about you, Jordan, because you obviously must have other attributes that are shining bright enough yeah. for that to They're overcoming, not be a problem. Yeah, over, overcoming yeah. my poor podcasting slash nerdiness slash I don't know whatever else you want to lump in there, but no. It's just um, Elizabeth's just very nice. We'll say that she's willing to look past a lot of those things, which yeah. is great. Yeah. So also before we move on to the main meat of our podcast, Brady, I wanted to to tell you that I finally did something in pickup basketball that I've been waiting for for years. And this made me really excited. You know what I did? I got, I was able to in game do the Jason Williams off the elbow pass in transition. No. It was great. It was phenomenal. I got it. I did I it. There was, there was teammates on both sides of me. I faked, did the almost, I did the behind the back, and then I hit it with my elbow, went directly to my other teammate. Unfortunately, he didn't complete the play. He didn't give me the assist oh. on it. But, but, hey, at least I got to the point where I got the pass. Like, because I've tried it a few other times before and it's never worked because it's hard to get the timing right. And then you have to get the angle right off of your elbow too. It's very yeah. difficult, very hard. So, but next time, see, I just got to do it again. And then hopefully next time they'll actually complete the play, you know, and get the, get the highlight reel for it. So, so look out for me on uh, ESPN Sports Center top 10. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, was the pass is the reason your teammate didn't finish the shot because the pass like hit him in the knees or was it no, a good pass? It was, and, like it was a good pass, but here's the thing: is they weren't cutting to the basket. They kind of spot up at the three point line, even though we're in transition. I was like, oh. come on, dude! But it was still a perfect pass for him out to the three point line. But he didn't. He didn't even shoot it. He didn't. He was. He was open. Oh. 
Uh, so, you know, he just kind of drove in and then lost the ball. I was like, come on, man. That was the chance. That was my highlight reel. But whatever. Sometimes, sometimes Jordan, you just got to let friends go. That might be one. That might be one of these times. You see, let, let, let that guy go, let that teammate go. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. See, I just need to make sure it's the right teammate too. Is the thing. With the th- they have to be on my right side coming down the court. I have to be in the middle of the floor, and I have to have options on both sides of me. Right. So yeah. uh-huh. it's hard. You know, all these things have to line up. So it makes it difficult. What I'm picturing is that, like, within the same game, you had tried that three or four other times, and like hit it out of bounds and then they were just like so they don't even react to it as if it's something cool it's just like oh here goes jordan he's trying the chase williams thing again if he gets it right no. then whatever but he turned his no, 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 game well because you can't even try it that many times in a game because like i said the situation has to be right um so i had i did try it last week too that did not work out well i didn't get the angle right off of my arm uh-huh. um so it's not yeah it's not like i tried it like a bunch of times Gotta give me some credit. Okay, but I, cool. I have to say I was so pumped. And so I'll give you guys the update again. If I get the assist off of it, that's the next level. That's the next level. And then I think I've peaked in pickup ball. I don't think there's anywhere, I don't think there's anywhere to go above that. So I thought um, you were telling me years ago your other goal was to like block a dunk or something. I don't remember what your other there was some ooh, other goal. That's a good one too. I think I might have given up on that one because I think my years of High leaping are kind of behind me. I can still get up okay, but yeah, can barely touch the rim. We'll just say that. Um, so I don't yeah. think I'm blocking any dunks anytime soon. I don't even know if I can touch the rim right now. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably can if I tried, but I've really. See, that's taken the thing is, stuff. it's been a while since I've even tried, but I assume I still can. Okay. I, I think we'll it's one not, of those things ignorance is bliss. Or, you know be good? or do you know what'd be funny? We could both we could video ourselves. That could be our first video uh content on like our, a YouTube channel YouTube. or something like that. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe we, I think we probably should start off with something else. Something stronger. That might be a rough start to the to the video content. Mm. Okay. Well, congratulations on um on both of your your feats. That you were more excited about one than the other. You had your Jason Williams pass, and then your engagement announcement on podcast. I'll let the I'll let the listeners decide which one you were more excited about. Well, um, all jokes aside, I'm much more excited <laughs> for the engagement. Okay. That has more lasting impact on my life and overall happiness. So. Um, make sure to make that clear, but I just, you know, this is, this is my platform to talk about, you know, the Jason Williams pass. So So if I try to bring that up in my lab, no one's going to listen to me. You don't have anyone in your lab who cares about sports? Not really. There's a few that like watch a little bit of football, but no basketball fans. So shame. Yeah. It's what what I have to deal with, you know? Well, in honor of that, we're going to um, not talk about basketball quite yet. 
We're going to start off with some Super Bowl discussion. But before we get into our sports discussion, I do want to um, reinforce for our listeners, you're going to want to stay tuned to the second segment of today's episode because it is uh, anticipated to be an excellent one where we have um, my wife, Sarah, and Jordan's fiance Elizabeth, joining us to discuss potential um, rule changes in sports or how they may, in their opinion, um, improve sports through an outsider's imaginative perspective. Um, it should be good. So you'll want to listen into that segment. Yeah, but, I'm really excited for that. That will be the highlight for sure. But before we get to that, you have to endure listening to us talk about sports for a little bit. That's just how this works. So yeah, you can't you can't scoot the little time the little timer forward no, no. to jump. Don't do that. Don't That's skip cheating. this part. This cheating. is your meat and potatoes and your dinner, and you have to listen to it and like it, and then you can get dessert at the end. Yep, exactly. So was- start off. Uh, Got to talk about the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is happening this next week. So we would be remiss if we did not make any mention of the Super Bowl, even though we, we typically don't talk about the NFL as much. But but yeah, it's been pretty fun. What have your, been your thoughts throughout the uh, playoffs so far as we've gone through the divisional rounds and the conference championships? Uh, it's been an exciting playoff series. I was happy last weekend where we had the Ravens-Chiefs um, matchup and then the Lions-Niners. I was like, oh, those are both good, like – yeah, exciting both really good games, exciting yeah. players. And then the games themselves were really good. Um, the Chiefs found their way back into the playoffs, even though people have been downing them. Their offense has struggled, but their defense has picked them back up, and they've found their way back um, to the Super Bowl again. Then uh, the 49ers, they probably would have went to the Super Bowl last year, except for Brock, Pur- Brock Purdy got hurt and his two backups got hurt. They were on a fourth string quarterback in the NFC championship game and just couldn't overcome that. But the 49ers have so many weapons with McCaffrey and Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Trent Williams is the best left tackle in the league. And then their defense is, is stout and they're they're uh, I loved, I love to watch the 49ers play because they're uh, because they use all their weapons so creatively, their offensive scheme is, is, um, is, very well done. Uh, and then, of course, Mahomes and Kelsey are fun. And Taylor Swift's in the in the building. And so when you think of all of that put together and that it's also in Vegas, Jordan, what would you guess is on – I'm looking at vivid, vivid Seats right now. What would you guess is the cheapest ticket for this Super Bowl? Cheapest ticket for the Super Bowl? Yeah. That got to be around 1000 1000 Uh-huh. Uh, I'm looking at tickets as low as $5,347. That's the lowest? That's the lowest price. Wow. So cheapest, worst seats in the top of the end zone probably is over $5,000 right now. Uh, that is crazy. Yeah. And so, I because I, I, I thought about that, it, it makes sense because Taylor Swift is involved in this um, scenario, but whenever all the Taylor Swift tickets were going for crazy prices, everyone talking about how crazy they were and they were crazy, but I thought about it as, I mean, events like this in sports, like the Super Bowl, are pretty insane um, as well. And this is proof of that. Mm-hmm. But sorry, back to sports. Uh, what is your preview? Uh, what, are you, what are you excited about in this matchup between two teams that 
I don't think anyone's disappointed in that. I think these are two of two of the top three or four teams at the at the very worst in the NFL and should be a good matchup. Yeah, well, it's interesting because if you would have told me that this was going to be the Super, Ma- Super Bowl matchup at the beginning of the year, I would have been like, wow, this is going to be offensive firepower game right here. But like you said, the, the Chiefs offense has been a bit lacking this season, but their defense has really been what's uh, carried them through. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, it's going to be weird to see that it's like the Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to be playing a little bit more of the defensive grinded out play style. And the San Francisco 49ers are going to be the ones that are really going to try to be putting those points up on the board. But I overall, I think it'll be really fun. Um, like I still anticipate like lots of really fun electric plays because, um, you know, the Chiefs love to take those shots down the field, either to Travis Kelsey or some of their other like uh, whiteouts, like uh, Valdez Scantling, uh, Scantling and uh, like McCall Hardman, those guys. So Rice. So, yeah, yeah, Rice, uh, Brandon Rice, I think his name so so yeah like Chiefs have a lot of good weapons and you've already mentioned all the weapons that the 49ers have I just really love that the four the way that the 49ers run their offense I think it's really a fun style of football to watch uh lots of movement and uh so overall just pumped just excited for it and you know I'm not like too terribly invested in every team either team like I will be rooting for the Chiefs probably because I still love Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have been you know, a fan of Travis Kelsey's podcast this last year because it's been fun. He's from Cleveland, so it's here to it's fun to hear him talk about, you know, his experiences growing up around this area and stuff like that. So but yeah. What are your what are your thoughts? Who's who's gonna win? Who you got? Oh, who, who do I have? See, it's so hard. I just I don't think I can pick against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Um and um, yeah, and the offensive play calling and uh, stratagem of Andy Reid. So uh, just can't count them out. So I would not be surprised if the 49ers win, but I think I'll, I'd have to pick, pick the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to pick the Chiefs because I just that's I'm just biased and that's who I'm cheering for. So I, I would anticipate like a 24 to 20. Chiefs win something along those lines. Yeah. But what I actually, I actually think the 49ers are a better overall team. So I think it would be an upset, and ESPN analytics would back me up on this. And uh, the odds through ESPN bet, they have the 49ers as a two and a half point favorite neutral site. So cheat, uh, the 49ers are a little bit of a favorite, and I think that that's pretty accurate. I would guess if these, t- if these teams played 10 times, that, um, the 49ers would win six or seven. But if I'm remembering correctly, these teams did um, play each other earlier in the year. I'm going back and looking uh, earlier in the year to see if they did meet up this season. Maybe they did. I'm not seeing it. Okay. Maybe I'm forgetting something else. Yeah, they didn't play. Uh, they did play the Lions. The Lions beat the Chiefs. Uh, earlier in the season, so they have not played this year, so should be a good matchup. Kyle Shanahan's an excellent coach. There's a lot. There's a lot going on with uh, legacies going forward between Kyle Shanahan hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. Um, there's a lot of guys on that 49ers team who are all-time greats, potentially Hall of Famers who haven't got a ring. 
And then obviously if the Chiefs win, Travis Kelsey's 35 years old. There's he's only so much long there's he's only going to be one of the best tight ends in the league for so much longer. And then Patrick's only 28. And if he could get his what would this be? His third Super Bowl already? And yeah. he's, he's been to a Super Bowl every year but once, I think, in his career. Uh so, and they've made it to the conference championship every year for the last six years, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And Andy Reid as well. He's he's getting up there in age. There's been rumors that he may retire if they were to um if they were to win after this season. But I don't mm-hmm. know if those are founded or not. But uh it's a big game. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I was interested as we were talking about, you know, the 49ers schedule for this season. You know, they didn't play the Chiefs, but they did play some other teams that are kind of like the Chiefs on defense, right? So, like, a couple of their losses this year were to the Browns. They lost in a 19-17 game, kind of grinded out game. And you know, the Browns were, like, the top defensive team uh, in the league this con- this season. And the, the Chiefs are currently currently ranked fourth. So, you know, we might see kind of a similar thing where the defense – that, like the top tier defense um, really just kind of bothers the 49ers. And that might end up being the difference in the game. Well, but we'll have to see. And it's crazy. Um, I think something to look, look for going into this game is, you know, the turnover battle is always going to be a big factor, right? But yeah. it's been interesting going into this game uh, with the exception of the last game against Baltimore, the chiefs have lost their turnover battle or at least had it, the same number of turnovers. They haven't won the turnover battle in any of their games. Like they'd either, they've either had more turnovers than their opponent or they'd had the same number of turnovers and they still, you know, managed to win all of those games. And they've all been kind of close games. So I think if it comes down to it and there's, you know, it's, you know, the highest pressure environment uh, that exists in NFL football um, and the game is on the line, I'm definitely taking Patrick Mahomes after, uh, over Brock Purdy. You know, Patrick Mahomes has been there before. He has the experience. And he's just like, less likely to make uh, a costly mistake, like we saw in the Ravens-Chiefs game. You know, uh, you could tell Lamar Jackson just kind of got a, a bit rattled on that last drive and threw that costly interception, which it was just a poor decision, right? He threw it into triple coverage. And, yep. then, um, and then that was the end of the game there. You know, they were able to just run out the clock after that, so... But yeah, I said since we're on that topic, I wanted to talk about that Ravens Chiefs game a little bit because it was fun to watch, even though it was somewhat more of a low-scoring game. There was a lot that happened, lots of drama that happened uh, towards the end of the game. So I, I don't know if you remember, but um, like I think it was like one of the first drives of the fourth quarter. Uh, Lamar Jackson had some big plays down the field to, to Flowers. Flowers got the penalty for taunting afterwards, which backed them up a little bit, and then Flowers caught the pass towards the goal line and ended up. Uh, fumbling it through the back of the end zone, right? So the Chiefs were able to get the ball on the 25-yard line, which obviously that changed the trajectory of the game completely. Yep. You know, they're on the doorstep getting ready to score, and then all of a sudden that's taken away from them. Um, what were your thoughts on kind of the whole series of events there? Um, do you, it, at the end of the day, would you be pointing the finger at Flowers and saying, you know, it's his fault, like, if he didn't do those things, we would have won? Or what are your thoughts thoughts there? Uh, 
I mean, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, to be fair to Flowers, he had over 100 yards receiving. So, like, he yeah, was – Yeah, he had a good game, yeah. And that's for a Ravens offense that was pretty poor most of the day. Mm-hmm. So, he was actually one of the bright spots in the offense, although he was also the brightest problem in those scenarios you were talking about. The taunting penalty, some people don't like it because it's an important spot of the game and just swallow your whistles, ref. But it was a clear taunting penalty. That's There is no – you yeah, can't be more clear. For, yeah. And he looked right, like stood over the guy and like screamed right at him. And, and threw the ball at him. Threw too. the ball, yeah. Threw the it's, ball at him. So you gotta control dumb. your emotions. That's what win, winners winners can do that. They can make those decisions, those those decisions in time. You can celebrate, you can talk talk noise to the other team without doing that. And that's how that's the rest can't. They have a rule book. They got to follow the rule book, and that's a clear violation. And it has been all year, so um, I don't think there's any controversy there. And and it, it, was that the same drive that they almost scored the touchdown, or was that a different drive? I can't remember. That was the same drive. Yeah, because okay, so it doesn't, that it doesn't pass, even like it was down. At, it was at like the 15 yard line. Yeah, it was at like the 15 yard line. Then they got the 15 yard penalty. Got pushed back. And right. then they were able to almost score, but then fumbled it to the back of the end zone. So, yeah. But so since they they already got they get to the goal line in that same drive, so it doesn't even matter that there is that play doesn't really matter. Well, it it's not that it doesn't matter because that changes like the play calling and everything. Like they probably could have just ran the ball a few more times to punch it into the end zone and not yeah. called one of those like passing plays that they did, uh, which resulted in the fumble through the back of the end zone. So. Not yeah, that it, it also, didn't matter at all. It also should have resulted in a, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, a first and goal at the one-yard line. Right? I'm trying to remember the down and distance situation there, but it wasn't a third and goal, was it? It was second and eight from second the nine. Eight. Yeah, so yeah. they would have got a first and goal if he just doesn't reach the ball out. Because that's the thing, is True. the Cardinals yeah. rule could be Unless it's like third or fourth down and you have to have it, don't reach, don't the, ball reach the ball out. out. Yeah. Particularly at the goal line. Because we see this all the time. It Didn't it happen earlier against the Chiefs in the same game? No, yeah. I, it happened the game previous, actually, with the Chiefs against the Bills, if I'm remembering right. Didn't it? I think uh, McCall Hardman um, tried to reach out and fumbled the ball on like the one-yard line Yeah. Um, against the Bills. So... So I understand he's trying to make a play. He wants to get a touchdown because that's a huge play in the game. But, um, yeah, you just can't do that in that situation. That's rough. Uh, And that was really – To top it all off, um, I don't know if you caught this from the commentators afterwards, but he was very frustrated when he went back to the bench. He slammed his hand on the bench and cut his hand, apparently. Uh He's doing – making all kinds of dumb choices. You know, but you know, see this this might just be a learning experience for him. So like next year he can come back and just have more poise in the playoffs. So but if you're if you're a Ravens fan, you can't blame it just on that. Right. Yeah, Their offense sure. was bad all day. Your MVP played it was pretty poorly. Bad. Your coach, I think, panicked. I think the coaching was on offense was pretty bad because they ran the ball for six yards of carry and they just didn't run. Yeah. They got behind and they started throwing the ball all over. Mm-hmm. unsuccessfully and so 
they should have just said, hey, we're a really good running team. We're going to stick to our guns earlier in the game. And even later in the game, they weren't behind by that much, even late in the game. Uh, they got away from what was successful and and they just didn't play well, had turnovers, and that was that was about it. So. Yeah. Yeah, looking at like the the passing versus rushing plays, got Baltimore called 37 passing plays and only 16 rushing plays. And you know, if rushing is really the strength of your offense, it should probably not be that heavily skewed. I mean, one of the best passing plays of the night was Lamar Jackson to himself. So yeah, awesome. that was a crazy play. That's that's gonna go down. See, see, part of me kind of wanted them to like win just for that, to like, cause that would be like <laughs> entrench that play even more in playoff history. But at the end of the day, still wanted the Chiefs to win. But um, but yeah, that was pretty crazy. Um yeah, anything else you wanted to talk about with any of the other divisional matchups or conference championship? I mean, the Lions-49ers uh, game was pretty close, and the 49ers also had a close call against the Packers. Did you have any thoughts on either of those games? Nothing too specific. I didn't watch a ton of either of those games. I was doing other things. I, I, I saw the score at halftime of the Lions-49ers uh, game, and the Lions were blowing them out. Uh it's 24 to 7 or something like that. I was like, dang, they're gonna make it. And then they had a had a big collapse in the second half. They just had the same issue, right? They had some they had some turnover issues and uh and uh so it kind of flipped the script and their offense stagnated and the defense couldn't get a stop. And 49ers were really good. Brock Purdy played really well in that second half and brought his team back. Uh I think he's a step above he Brock Purdy is certainly aided by how much talent he has because most NFL teams don't have the luxury of having a seventh round pick quarterback as their quarterback and therefore have so much cap space to allocate mm -hmm. towards other players. The 49ers have so many weapons on offense and defense. Um, their defensive line is super scary. And then Fred Warner, uh, BYU, the former BYU greats, the best linebacker in the NFL. And we've already mentioned how talented their offense is. But when they have all those guys healthy, they're really hard to stop with Kyle Shanahan running his offense. So uh, I didn't have anything specific from those games, but they were they were fun. Watch watch the watch the highlights from them mostly. Yeah, that's that's where I was at too. But yeah, it was interesting because both of those were come from behind wins. You know, the 49ers had to score 10 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win the Green Bay game. And then yeah. They ended up having that big third quarter against the Lions, and the Lions just didn't have enough juice at the end. Because you know, if they had a few more minutes, the Lions might have been able to pull it out. But you know, it came down to they had to get the onside kick out at the end of the game, and you know, it's always going to be a low percentage uh, chance of winning if that's what you're relying on. So, so yeah. Well, it looks like we both have the Chiefs, Jordan. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe we uh, maybe we jinx the Chiefs full. Talk about it in a couple weeks here. Let's get let's yeah. jump on to college basketball, which is uh is that your favorite um season for sports, Jordan? Is it is college basketball your number one? Yeah. I still say let that's the best way, the best sports sports content out there for me. I was telling Elizabeth about this a little bit yesterday because I was watching the Duke Carolina game, which I feel like is the best of the college basketball, you know, so it's like the, the best of the college basketball viewing experience. 
And then college basketball is also the best viewing experience over all the other sports for me personally, because there's just so many factors that go into it that makes it so great for me. The atmosphere of the fans, the the players, um, really, you know, the effort level that the players have, uh, the way that the teams really play together a lot more as opposed to the NBA where there's a lot more isolation ball and stuff like that. So. Yeah, so definitely always excited to talk about college basketball, and especially when we have a year like this where BYU is doing as good as they are. So I don't know and, if um, you've noticed, Jordan, but the rule change this year with verticality and um, and the change for what is a block charge, where the defender has to he has to be set before the gather. I think I need to look at the updated rules for sure, but they need to be set earlier to have legal guarding position than what was previous this year. But I have seen a dramatic improvement in the type of play uh, from a, from, from personally, from what I consider to be good basketball, but also just from a viewer standpoint of a lot more plays at the rim where you're having people attack the rim and defenders actually mm -hmm. play defense and get their hands up yeah. and try to contest shots. I think it's been a dramatic improvement. I don't know if it's something you've noticed. No, I definitely noticed it. And I don't know, it's hard. It's probably just at the moment in the game how I feel about it. Because there have been some calls like that where that rule has come into play, right? Where I kind of feel like it should be more of a charge because it feels like the defensive player is set. Like maybe he's dragging his foot a little bit or something like that. Yeah. But I guess if I was tr trying to look at it holistically like you were, you know, it probably has been an improvement for the game for the most part. But sometimes I'm like, oh, man. That, that looked like a charge. The guy was out of control. But see, here's the thing. I think the, the important thing is that like, like what's going to enhance the viewing experience is if players have to be in control more, right? As opposed to just launching themselves at the rim. If they're in control, making like wise, like good moves towards the basket, that's what makes it fun to watch, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but then also not be afraid that every single play they're going to be picking up a charge. So... But that's what makes it hard is because when you start relying on that, that's such a subjective thing. So I understand mm -hmm. the reason for the rule change. So anyways, it just kind of depends on the day, how I feel about it, I guess. I just think yeah, it's, it's been good really for the fun. Sport. It's, been, it's good for the sport to have your athletic players be athletic. Yeah. To have them mm -hmm. be willing and have it be encouraged for them to attack the rim and defend the rim. Because that's yep. fun. And people are going that to shoot threes, fun. and it also gets threes open, right? If you're able to, if you allow, if you encourage people to penetrate in the middle, you got to defend it, and that opens up mm -hmm. stuff on the outside. So I've I've enjoyed it, but I just wanted to point out that we're going to have a little bit of a broad college basketball discussion today, and then maybe talk a little bit more about BYU specifically. Um, yeah, you just mentioned North Carolina. You, the North Carolina Duke game yesterday was an excellent day for college basketball. I had North Carolina Duke, Kansas, Houston, Kentucky. Tennessee. Uh, today we had Purdue, Wisconsin. So excellent weekend. Uh, your your Red River shootout equivalent for college basketball for you this weekend, Jordan. So what were your highlights of, of this weekend and also uh, for the some of your thoughts you have for the year in general so far? We're about halfway through this year in college basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for giving me the platform to talk about the Duke North Carolina game. So fun. It was in Chapel Hill. So, you know, you had the Car the Tar Hill fans going crazy. Um, and yeah, both of these teams ranked in the top 10. 
Um, so, you know, whenever Duke Carolina is meeting up, both ranked in the top 10, oh man, that's one of the best viewing content that you can ask for. And overall, it was a pretty good game. North Carolina was in control pretty much throughout the entire game, which was really good to see. And um, it was interesting because, you know, um, they've been, you know, RJ Davis has been their guy, right? He's been one of the leading scorers in the country, leading scorer in the ACC this year. But, you know, he didn't have a bad game. I think he still scored like 17 points. But um, they had some other players step up and really take a little bit more of the scoring load. Uh, Harrison Ingram had like 27 points. Uh, Armando Baycott had a really good game. And um, it's been really good as of late. Elliot Cadeau, the freshman point guard um, from New Jersey, has really been playing well for them. I think he it's taken him a while to come into his zone because you could tell he was just hesitant. And I think he still is, um, especially when it comes to shooting the ball because He's got a good shot, but I think he just is not very confident uh, yet. So I'm sure he'll get there over the next few years. But overall, they play a really fun uh, brand of basketball, and they played really well against a really good uh, Duke team. Um, and it was interesting. In this game, Duke won both the field goal percentage and the rebounding battle. Um, and usually those are pretty good indicators of who, who's going to win. I think they shot over 50% from the field. And out-rebounded North Carolina, which is not easy to do. But at the end of the day, they just made a lot of costly turnovers, which Carolina manufactured into points. I think they had like, um, let's see. Let's see if they'll give me points off of turnovers. They had 19 points off of turnovers. And they were they were getting out and pushing the ball. So, yeah, overall, really fun to watch, really good. So Tar Heels now sitting at 9-1 uh, and one in the conference. Uh, only loss was to Georgia Tech, which was a bad loss. Ended up yeah. being a one-point loss on a buzzer beater, but that's definitely an anomaly. This team is for real, and I'm excited uh, for them for the rest of the season. In, in an ACC that's like a little bit down this year, I mean, I know we've said that about the ACC the last few years, but I don't foresee them having much issues running through the ACC. And I really, I think their main obstacle might be Duke, you know, if they have to meet them again in the uh, – ACC championship game, but. Yeah, I think Duke's a solid team, but I would feel pretty good if I'm North Carolina between RJ Davis and Baycott and uh, and some of the, the pieces around. Who's 55 again? Harrison Ingram. He's been good this year. Watched him uh, a few different games for North Carolina. So, yeah, as a North Carolina fan for you, uh, I, I would feel pretty excited about my opportunity to not just win the ACC, but compete in the in the tourney to make a return to the final mm -hmm. four. Um, what are some other, other teams that you were excited to watch going forward for the rest of the year and what their potential could be? Um, so some teams that I'm excited to watch, I mean, I always get excited for any big 12 matchup. Yeah. I think any of those are really fun. Um, mm -hmm. You might hate this, but I have enjoyed watching Texas tech play. Uh, mm -hmm. Just because they have a few players that I like. Um, they have um, Walton. I think his first name is Kendall. But he's a North Carolina transfer. And I wondered what happened to him. Because he like just kind of disappeared off the face of the planet. Um, but then, you know, transferred to Texas Tech. And now he's playing there. And he's been playing really good. He's shooting like 50% from three. So they have a fun um, They have a fun team. They also have a really good point guard. I'm trying to remember his name. Pop Isaacs. Pop Isaacs, yeah. He's he's electric. He's real fun to watch. Good. So I've really enjoyed watching them. I also really like Kansas. They've got quite a few fun big players. And like 
I think I mentioned this earlier on in the season, but um, Hunter Dixon, Dickinson transferring there, I think has been really fun. And along yep. with like Kevin McCuller as well. Um, yep. so I really like those players. So to see them actually get on like a better team and surrounding themselves with other good talent, I think has been really fun. So uh, those have been some of my teams uh, that I've enjoyed watching so far this season. Uh, in addition, you know, to BYU and North Carolina, which are always my, you know, favorites, go-tos. So yeah. what about you? Yeah, I. you mentioned Kansas. I, I think they're a fun team to watch. And when they play well, they just basically handled Houston last night playing uh, at home. We're pretty well in charge of that game for a long time. Uh, I worry about Kansas going forward. They're going to be a great team, but I don't know if they have a lot of depth. I've only watched them a few games. Mm-hmm. Their front-line starters are pretty good. Um, they have a lot of size. They have some shooting, um, and they have they have tough they have some tough winners with uh, with uh, Kevin McCuller and and, uh, and guys like that. But I, I worry about their depth going in to the, to the postseason. Um, but teams that I'm I'm excited to watch or I just enjoy to watch because they're fun. North Carolina is one of them on the list. They're a really fun team to watch. Uh, Tennessee went into Rupp, beat Kentucky last night. They have a few players who are uh, who are excellent. Um, uh, Dalton uh, Connect to transfer in. He's been great this year. Six five uh, guard for Tennessee, and they still have Ziegler run around the speedy little point guard they have out there. And then um, I think Vescovy is still there unless yep, I'm wrong. Yeah. There are other shooting guard. So they can light it up on, on offense. They scored over hundred points on Kentucky, although Kentucky's defense is horrible. Kentucky is a very fun team to watch on offensively. Yeah. But, their defense but they're not going really to yeah. yeah. Um. So, so Tennessee, UNC, UConn is a team that, really good at the beginning of the year. They've been good recently. They've had a little bit of some injury issues, um, but they have some talented experience with Cam Spencer and Tristan Newton. Alex Caraban uh, is a good player as well, uh, forward on the edge. And they have some big-time big size with Donovan uh, uh, Clinigan. He's like 7'2", big guy in the middle who can handle certain big men like Hunter Dickinson or Zach Eady if, they, if that's a matchup that they end up going up against um so uconn is someone to watch out for and then teams just excited to watch byu is just about they're as fun to watch as any team in the country uh when especially when they're playing well and especially just based on our expectation levels right our expectation levels for mm-hmm. BYU going the season were so low it was basically don't be last in the big yeah. 12 uh and they're legitimate NCAA tournament team uh, easily in the field at this point and ranked, and that's exciting. Um, what about some surprise teams? Any anyone that you have been impressed by or surprised by this season? Yeah, I think the biggest surprise for me has been South Carolina. I don't know if you've seen anything from them at all because they've really kind of flown under the radar, and they have not been, you know, good ba- at basketball in a in a while. Right, except for women's basketball, they always seem to be on top. But yeah, currently, they're year. second. Yeah, yeah, they had like that one year, one year with uh, that one guard who was kind of a three and D kind of guy, but he was pretty good. I can't remember his name yeah. though. Um, yeah. But yeah, since then they Other have not that. been relevant at all. Um, 
But yeah, they're right now they're second in the SEC, uh, currently 19 and three on the season. Uh, they upset Tennessee last week, which is a huge win. Yeah. Um, and the only losses they have are to um, Georgia, Kentucky, and Clemson. So I'd say out of all those losses, the only bad one is to Georgia, which they've already redeemed themselves from that by beating Georgia again this last uh, yesterday. They beat them by ten. So and Georgia's not terrible. Yeah, it's not like Georgia's a bad like a. They're not like a quad four loss or anything like that, yeah. but um, but yeah, I, I honestly I haven't seen them play yet, so I'll be excited to watch them. Um, but overall, their resume is pretty impressive, and so I'll be excited to see how they do going forward. I got a couple of teams. One's BYU. I won't talk about them because they're obviously a surprise. You already mentioned Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Who... Yep. It's not a surprise that they're a good – like, they've been good at basketball for several years, but I don't think anyone anticipated them to be as competitive in the Big 12 as they have been thus far. Um, but a couple other teams I would mention is, one, uh, Dayton. Dayton has been mm-hmm. a team that I believe they've only lost two or three games. They're a pretty good team. They have Deron Holmes the second. He's averaging 20 points a game. He's 6'10", big guy. He's a junior. Uh, they're they're pretty good. They're fun to watch. Uh, so – uh, Dayton would be someone who wasn't on my radar, but is very talented and could make a run in the postseason if they finish out the season well. And another one is New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico hasn't been good at basketball in many years, despite their, as a BYU fan, I'm sure older BYU fans will remember, the pit in New Mexico is a pretty famous uh Basketball, known basketball arena for being a tough place to go play. They fit a lot of people in there, in, the, in there, and it can be re- really rowdy. So I'm actually looking to try to see a New Mexico game if I can watch one at home to see if they're packing that place again. It's cool to see them uh, be relevant. It's been a while for New Mexico basketball. I mean, I'm pretty sure they made the tournament last year. Um, you know, kind of as a lower seed and everything, because. Um, I mean, yeah, but it's still they didn't they didn't win the Mountain West or anything like that. But they had uh, Jamal Mashburn Jr. I remember watching him; he was kind of fun. So it's not like they have been completely irrelevant, but definitely not as big as they used to be, like back in the '90s and stuff like that. So, but yeah, but yeah, that's that. I would still count that as a surprising team for sure. So, also Utah State. Surprised yeah, they're looking good. as good. Uh, speaking of Mountain West teams, you know, Utah State's yeah. kind of surprising as well. So, and the Mountain West yeah. between New Mexico and Utah State and San Diego State, they got some. It's a good league this year. Might actually get three, yeah, three teams. And I, yeah, so we'll have to see how that goes. Um, what are do you have any teams? Well, I guess before we go into that, so you talked about some of the teams that you thought are really good. Who would you pick as your final four at this point in the season? My final four. So North Carolina, I think, is one of the best four teams. All of this, of course, depends on draws and injuries and things. But if we had to pick four, the four best teams right now, Mm -hmm. North Carolina would be in my top four. UConn would be in my top four. Tennessee and then uh, it's hard to say Houston because they just lost to Kansas, but they lost on the road, and they were fighting back towards the end of that game. If that game lasts another 10 minutes, Houston may come all the way back there. 
but I think that their size down low and strength and rebounding and defense specifically, they're already uh, in terms of the Big 12, if the Big 12 season ended right now, they would break the record for points allowed in a season in the Big 12. Uh, that's how good they've been defensively, despite this being their first season in the league. And they have Jamal Shedd and, and LJ Cryer transfer from Baylor to provide some offense and leadership. So I'd have Houston in there as well as those other three teams that we've already talked about. That'd be my top four. So wait, so is Houston, North Carolina, Connecticut, Tennessee? Yep. That was yours. All right, that's yeah. mine too. Um, <laughs> the only difference was because, I mean, currently just looking at the rankings, right? Purdue is ranked second, but I just don't think I can pick Purdue. Um, I mean, not only after losing to Fairleigh Dickinson in the first round last year, but like the year before too, like they just always underperform. And uh, I would say that, um, you know, they're better this year because they've got those, uh, you know, Braden Smith and uh, Fletcher Lawyer coming back with more experience. So that like is a bonus for them. I would give them more yeah. of a chance of going farther in the tournament this year, but I still just don't have faith that they will do it. And Zach Eady so, is the, the most dominant player in the country. Yeah. He, he's the sure. most he dominant double-double with almost 20 points, like averaging 20 points a game. Like, he's uh, he's great. So he should be, the, Purdue should be in both of our top fours. But like you, not just yeah. because they lost Fairleigh Dickinson, but because the last several years of watching Purdue in in the tournament flounder and not live up to their potential, I don't buy it. Yep. Same. So yeah, I guess we just had the same picks there. The only thing is for I put Houston, but then I also put in parentheses whichever uh Big 12 team gets hot. You know, at that time in the tournament, I feel like it's like whoever is on the high, maybe who's coming off of the Big 12 championship, stuff like that. Because I could see Kansas being a final four team. I could see even teams like um Texas Tech. Or I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not as much of a fan of uh, of a believer in Iowa State, even though they're no. ranked pretty high right now. I don't really think that they have the the talent. Not for the final four. The final four, maybe like a Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. Yeah. That's a conversation to have. But but yeah. So Big Twelve wild card, maybe BYU. Just kidding. I'm not picking them to go to the final four. But if I had to pick a team, it'd definitely be Houston. I think that defensive backcourt of Shed and Cryer, like they yeah. put some pressure on the ball, which, you know, yeah, makes it hard for teams to run their offense. So, but they're fun to watch. Any other players that are worth highlighting as we look as like, who are the players to watch? Who are the stars of college basketball this year? Yeah. So I was, as I was thinking through it, I did kind of come up with a first team all American ballot right now. So this is, okay. For the Jordan Crest first team All American team, I'm sure I might be overlooking some players, but this is what I'd have right now. So RJ Davis would be one of the guards from uh, North Carolina. He's having a phenomenal season. Uh, Zach Eady, like you said, he's been pretty much the most dominant player um, in college. I'd also put uh, Dalton Connect up there because yep. he's been playing great over the last six games, averaging 32 points, which that's like unheard of in college basketball, you know, yeah. to have that level of consistency for that high scoring. Because, um, yeah, a lot of times, you know, players will be up and down with that. 
Um, and then I, this might be the most controversial one, but I think I might put Tyler Kolick up there from Marquette. He's been having a great season, yeah. averaging like 16 points a game and seven assists. And he just like, he's just a good guard, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. Is there any other players that you'd want to mention in there? Was that five? That was five for me. Yeah. That was five. Um, mm-hmm. I had Deron Holmes as the second forward. If you have, if you had two, if you had a forward, a center, and three guards, uh, RJ Davis makes sense. Um, I'd have Zach Eady, Dalton Connect, Deron Holmes, and then for a fifth player, Marquette guy makes sense. Uh, Jamal Shedd doesn't have the numbers to back up him being yeah. in there, but in terms of important players he's right there he's close i don't i don't think i can put him in because he just doesn't quite have the numbers to back it up um but maybe jacoby walter be like a final baylor. four mvp yeah 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 i, I oh, would yeah. probably have yeah. jacoby walter from baylor he's been exceptional uh yeah. this year a uh, very efficient player he's going to be a top 10 guy in the draft this year so that would be my my fifth guy Nice. That's no, those are all good for sure. Any other things that you wanted to talk about kind of with the broader college landscape before we move on to our discussion about BYU basketball? No, I don't think so. Let's hit BYU and, uh, and, and we can uh, finish, finish the uh, steak and potatoes and get to dessert like everyone wants to with the uh, fun segment. Sounds good. Sounds good. So kind of as um, an update so far, so, Eight games in, eight games into the Big Twelve uh, conference schedule so far, BYU sitting at four and four, which is respectable. And they've had some some good wins, like they did beat West Virginia on the road just yesterday. They beat Texas last week. Um, have a win over Iowa State, which they handled them pretty well by fifteen points. Um, yeah. And then yeah, had losses coming to Baylor, Cincinnati, and Houston. So yeah, yeah how are you feeling so far? Uh, I mean, feel great. This is a team that is they've they've had some injury issues and sickness issues for the past few weeks, and despite that, they're 500 in conference, which is I, I feel like asking to be 500 at the end of the year in conference is more than we could even ask for. That would be ideal if they're if they end up mm-hmm. finishing their conference record 99, they're going to be like a five seed or better in the NCAA tournament. Um, and be ranked most of the year, but they're a team that is super unselfish. They pass the ball really well. They have, and you can see that in their stat lines, they have, let's see, let me see here, seven players averaging nine points or more this season. Um, And then, and that doesn't even include Ali Khalifa, who's had multiple 20 point games and averages four over four assists a game as a center. But between Ali Khalifa and then Foos becoming healthy, they're able to rotate those guys in and have essentially two different offenses. Uh, and they're mm-hmm. the way that yeah. they're able to shoot the ball, the way they're able to, um, in, in what I, in what I've, the offense is leading the story with BYU, but I've been impressed with their, um, their ability to play better defense and to rebound the basketball specifically this year. So they've, they're doing great meeting my expect. No, not, surpassing my expectations by by a country mile actually uh, but what are do you have any specific thoughts with BYU right now Jordan 
Yeah, a couple thoughts. I mean, building off of like your um, conversation about the defense, um, I think that's been huge. Like we cannot understate how um, important that is because that was one of the things that I was worried about for the transition of BYU into the Big 12 is, you know, the WCC, you face a lot of cupcakes and there's nowhere near the level of physicality that you see in the Big 12 games. Also, the refs, the refs just don't let you play it like they do let you play in the Big 12, right? So mm-hmm. it's just a completely different ball game. But I think this really attests to the preparation that all the players put in the offseason and the coaching staff. Mark Pope has done a phenomenal job there, um, making sure guys are hitting the weight room and that they're ready for the level of physicality that they were going to see in the Big 12. So overall, like, so ecstatic about that. I think what's also fun about this team is that it's such a well-balanced team. Like you mentioned, you know, having so many players scoring uh, so many points off the, um, you know, over nine points a game. I think the thing about it too, is that there's so many players that can, you know, take over and give your team a lift, right? Like we've seen at points in the season where um, Jacob Robinson can really just kind of take over a game and, you know, he's early in score right now. Trevor Nell can, you know, catch fire and hit like nine threes in a game. Uh, Spencer Johnson, you know, can can provide that veteran uh, consistent experience. And even players like Noah Waterman, um can get hot too um and then uh i think uh the real x factor for the team this year has been richie saunders i love watching him play because he brings the hustle he brings all those plays and you know he's his scoring has been increasing recently he's up to 10 and a half points per game now and he's shooting the ball pretty well so overall just really fun team to watch and um i think they've been able to uh narrow down the rotation a lot more now so they have the right guys playing at the right times. And I love how you frame that too, how there's really two different offenses, you know, when Foose is on the floor and when Khalif is on the floor. And it, you know, makes it hard to defend as an opposing team because you have to change your game plan kind of every few minutes yeah. of how you're guarding the other team. Because yeah, you have uh-huh. to be a lot more conscious of the backdoor passes when Khalif is in the game. But then when Foose is in the game, you have to be a lot more focused on doubling in the post and things like that. And it's yeah, I, I think that does a number on, on the opposing defenses for sure. And when everyone around those guys can shoot, and then you have, here's the stat that really speaks to me for the team. You have three guards, Noah Waterman, Richie Saunders. Saunders, they're kind of forwards, but they play more as guards in the offense. And Spencer Johnson. Spencer Johnson has 5.5 rebounds a game. Saunders has 4.3, and Noah Waterman has six rebounds a game. That's a big deal to have those. It just shows effort, right? Those are effort stats. Um, and Noah Waterman specifically, give him his flowers. Defensively and rebounding has improved dramatically. Because last year, um, and he still he still doesn't finish around the rim the way I would like him to for his size on offense. But it's a marked improvement in his ability to, to have another 6'11 guy who can also defend on the perimeter and then have the effort to rebound. And it's just a, it's a huge difference in his game and and his, Mm -hmm. his impact on the game when he's in there. And yeah, I mean, he still is probably not where he needs to be as far as finishing at the rim, but he did have a good like, and one dunk against Texas last Uh week. It actually didn't get called as an and one, but it should have been called (laughs) as an and one because there was a lot of contact, but he finished through the contact. Um, but yeah, overall, they're they're really fun to watch. And then if you need someone to finish through contact, Busini Treor is your guy. 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and and like I was saying, with like people stepping up, like last uh, last night's game was a prime example of that because Cusini ended up scoring, I think, 26 against West Virginia mm-hmm. to help lift them over over that team and get that win on the road. So yeah, overall, very pleased. And right now, the last bracketology that I saw for BYU has them projected at a five seed and has them uh, playing at Salt Lake, which would be so fun, you know. Yeah. That would be cool. We'll have to see if that actually happens. All right. Any other thoughts before we get to our creme brulee, our apple pie? No? Nope. That's it. Let's get to it. All right. We'll see well, you in the yeah, next like segment. we said before, make sure to stay tuned for our next segment because it will be awesome. And uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Well, it'll be a few seconds for you guys, but just just imagine. And welcome back to the Provo Pick and Roll podcast. Uh, Now joining us, we have two additional podcast guests, which is a rarity. This is only the the second time, Jordan, that we've had a guest. No, we had. I feel like we've had had Morgan. It's been Morgan. I think it's just Morgan the one time. Everyone else that we ask doesn't ever do it with Yeah, us. they they don't want to join us. So um, I can't blame them, honestly. So because I have been a guest before on the podcast. Oh yeah. That's, that's true. Right. Yeah. Sarah has oh, been. No. Yes. So that's awkward. <laughs> uh, you all didn't I think you should emphasize these aren't just guests, these are guest stars. Um <laughs> so, wait, so are you stars. saying that Sarah? This the unspoken voice that you're all hearing is is Sarah. That's my wife. Hello. Um are you saying, Jordan, that Sarah doesn't qualify because she wasn't a guest star? She was just a guest. I have apparently been promoted. Now I'm a guest. She's star. promoted now, maybe. Yeah. Because <laughs> I no. did so great the last time. So, yeah. The other okay, star so we... that we have with us today is Elizabeth, my fiance, which, um, yeah, we just got engaged a couple weeks ago. So, and that's what I was waiting for to bring her on the podcast. We had to get engaged before she could come on the podcast, because otherwise she might have backed out, probably. That might have been a thing. So had to yeah. get her locked in. Yeah, to lure me in. Yeah, I think so. Before you realized how weird and nerdy I was. Probably had, you probably had a pretty good idea before, but um, now you really know. All right. Well, today we have um, the reason that we brought Elizabeth and Sarah uh, here on the podcast today is because they are going to provide some expert opinion that uh, in creativity and imagination to um, improve the sports world and improve your view on on the, the sports that you love and how they may change in the future because everything is uh, everything is changing with sports these days especially in college sports with Nil and and uh, the NCAA probably going to vanish with the uh, new rules or, or new new uh, conference alignment with the SEC and the Big Ten that we won't get into, but that's kind of big news that might change the landscape of college sports going forward. But these changes are probably going to be, if they're ever implemented, are probably going to be a lot more important and more valuable than those. So, Jordan, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Jordan, if you want to kind of set the table for us. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, we gave uh, Elizabeth and Sarah both the rules that we'll be going over, and so they were just given full creative liberty to come up with what they think the rule should be changed to. So the first rule that 
wanted to pose out there was uh, what um, should be done to get an extra challenge in college football. So currently um, in college football, you get one challenge per game. And if you get the first one right, then you'll get awarded uh, a second challenge and you don't have to take a timeout. But I was thinking it would be a lot more fun if there was another way to get that extra challenge. And what should the coaches have to do? So uh, let's start with Sarah. What, what, what do you think a coach should have to do in order to get another challenge instead of just getting the call right? Okay, I have a lot of thoughts about this. And well, we have to lead into what the new rule is first. Okay, first I had a question though. So is it like he can keep getting challenges if he keeps getting them right? Or is it one and one? And then you're done. I think that's up to your discretion. You can- But right now, is it one and one? Right now it's one and one. Yeah, right now you only get two maximum if you get the first one right. Okay, so. that feels unfair to me. I feel like that's that's like a small change that can make if you're- if the refs are bad enough and the coach is good enough that he's getting them right consistently, I feel like he should be able to keep yeah. getting them back. Anyways, so I think, first thing, I think that every time he does a challenge, the coach needs to reenact the play for the refs to show them what he thinks happened and how, like, just to make it more obvious, because it's hard to tell with the replays sometimes. Like, they're not always, the cameras aren't always in the perfect spot. So I think the coach and maybe the other coach together can replay what happened to make it more clear so that they know that they're really getting the right call for that. Um, they could bring in the whole coaching staff too, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great you idea. Could. Yeah. You could. They have so many so, staff, like they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs on the sideline. They can yeah. be doing something useful. Exactly. Yeah. And they could have like in practice, they could like practice their, what's it called? Like acting like, thespian yeah. they could work on that Des so that they're ready yes i can see how proud you are of that Jordan. that's, that's my new favorite made up word yeah <laughs> that's good okay and then the other new rule so i was thinking of like what a coach should have to do like what makes a coach valuable what is their role in the game and like how can they exhibit that value to show that they're good enough to earn another challenge and I think that the most important thing that happens with a coach is that when they dunk the Gatorade on them, like that's pretty much the most like camera time they get is when they get dunked at the end of the game. Yeah. So we need to incorporate right. that somehow. So what happens is the coach, how do I explain this? The other team, okay, wait, <laughs> I, I thought through this role earlier. So if a coach can evade the Gatorade dunking, then he gets a challenge for the next game. So the other team tries to dunk the other team's coach, right? The opposing team is trying to dunk him in Gatorade, but, and they can do that at any point in the game, but once they do that, the game is over and they've lost. It's like the yeah. opposite of a snitch. So it, like that means that the <laughs> end of the game has come because you can't dunk a coach before the end of the game. So the other team can have like a special teams team that their whole job is to dunk the other team's coach once they've accepted and decided that they have lost. And if they dunk him, then he does not get a challenge the next game that they play. But if he evades the dunking, then he gets an extra challenge. And so that helps him like become better at evading the dunking. Like that's now a skill that he has. And it also helps because now teams won't want to be too far ahead. Like you won't get those like blowout games because there's like a strategy because the other you don't want the other team to give up too early 
because then they'll start trying to dunk the coach and then it's harder for him to do his job while he's running away. So I think that it really would help the game in multiple ways. So if you're getting blown out at halftime and the game's over, then that what you're saying at that point is you just, who cares about the game you're going to lose? The yeah. whole strategy now is to get the other team's coach dunked with Gatorade. Yeah. So then it becomes a whole new game and you can have a defensive special team trying to help save the coach and the offensive special team trying to dunk him. And it's all for one challenge. We I don't know if we need to make it like higher stakes to make this a little bit more important, but okay. that was my solution. That was I can see it's left you all speechless. Highly detailed, yeah. That was amazing. No, I think that'd actually be kind of fun too, because then, yeah, like that like provides a handicap for those teams for the next game that could like factor in, like um, to provide more upsets maybe in the future if they don't have those challenges. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if the one challenge is going to make make and break uh, the difference between winning and losing, but it could. Mm -hmm. it definitely could. So. Yeah, that's what I was saying with the higher stakes thing. Like, I feel like he might just accept. Be more than just the challenge. Yeah. yeah. So I don't they know. have to start yeah. behind a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe there's something that the opposing team that's going to lose, they get something also. So it's not just that they're... Mm. And it's not just that they're hurting their team, the team they're playing, but maybe they get something else. They too. Get, maybe, yeah, they get an extra challenge. They, or... they get an extra challenge too or something. Yeah, like if there's just one challenge up for grabs and yeah. whoever wins uh, that encounter they get it. gets that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Good job, Sarah. That was very Thank detailed. You. It was fun. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth, your turn. Oh, boy. What yeah. is your potential rule change for the challenges? That was so amazing. I'm not sure if I can really add anything to that. Uh, only thoughts uh, would be building off of that. I'm not sure that I love the idea of them reenacting it together, but I wonder if drawing the other coach into it would have perverse incentives where that coach is going to be like faking plays and mm -hmm. not really motivated to help. Um, right. So I feel like if the coach develops really good artistry skills, and he can storyboard the play and put it in like an animation file. They have like a little spinner off to the side and they spin and they show the move that yeah. that, that could solve that problem nicely. So yes. it, that's good feedback. A, a coaching skill on the side. Mm -hmm. Man, yeah. so these challenges are going to get even longer because you got to wait for the coach to draw the mm -hmm. animation and then you play the animation and then do that but yeah i mean and that would also encourage more like creativity i think too like the coaches have to, mm -hmm. they have to have to be more well-rounded i guess if know. they're not good enough artists and they won't probably go through all of that just to challenge a play they'll probably keep playing so they'd have to be pretty good that's true and you have to have a lot of confidence that you're going to win if you're going to like take all the time to do that yeah sure they should just publicize like them so if it's a terrible animation everyone you know yeah Okay, nice. Like it. All right. Well, okay, moving on to the next rule. Um, so the next one was came up on our podcast a few weeks ago. Well, actually, probably a few months ago now, but this was during the college football season where there was a controversial fair catch call in the Iowa, was it Minnesota game? Yeah. Or who were they playing? Minnesota? Yeah. Um so we were just seeing like, what can be done to have a better way to indicate a fair catch? Because right now you just wave your hand in the air and that's supposed to indicate that that's a fair catch and you'll take the ball where you, you catch the punt and you can't advance the ball anymore after that. So 
the question is, um, so since it's sometimes unclear whether or not a player is calling a fair catch or if they're just directing their, their teammates to not touch the ball, what could be a better way that they could indicate whether or not they were calling for a fair catch? Uh, Elizabeth, you'll go first this time since we had Sarah go first last time. Okay, uh, a few ideas on this one. I feel like it could be fun to take the approach of the game signs in the situation where every player has their own special movement that they do. So you'll have some people out there doing butterflies. You have some people, you know, doing fist pumps uh, or jazz hands or whatever. Uh, they can make it their own, but that way it's pretty clear because each player has their thing that they'll do repeatedly that's on file somewhere. So it's pretty clear as long as no one is dumb and they do the same raised hand uh, mm -hmm. sign for their personal sign. The rush should be able to tell that one a little easier. Um, so I think I that... have a lot of them pick jazz hands because I would love to see more jazz hands just in general in the sport. I would too. It would really that's really what college football is missing is jazz hands. So we need. Okay, we're all agreed on this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I think that could be one approach. I think also we were watching a game not too long ago, and you could hear people shouting really clearly. I don't know whether the mics for the cameras were just really close to them or what was happening there. But that made me think that the other thing we could do is take it away from just a physical movement because I could see maybe a sign getting in the way of the person's ability to catch the ball where they're just trying to do a quick wave uh, and then catch it. So maybe what they need to do is actually say something as well that makes it pretty clear um, that that was their intention. So I was thinking something like really loud recitations of Taylor Swift lyrics or yeah. something along those lines would would make it pretty clear to everyone around them but that's not something that's, they do but they are now yeah that's the whole direction that football is going now is it's yeah. all it's yeah. about taylor yeah. Swift, yeah. and we just yeah. need yeah. to welcome brand. that transition and i think that would be a good way to incorporate it that's a good point thanks maybe there's a taylor swift song for calling the fair catch but then there's also a different song if you just want to receive the punt and advance the ball. I'm sure there's a perfect Taylor Swift song cool. or lyric. There probably is. Yeah. Yes. Probably and I'm something. upset that I didn't know ahead of time that I should be, have been searching for it. But next time. I should have better research, come with a few phrases to throw out. Yeah. So I love those ideas. Um, I think with your science idea, I think every uh, player that is potentially going to be receiving a punt in the game at the beginning of the game, he has to come out in front of the crowd and do his sign to everybody, so oh, that yeah. everyone can see his sign. Everyone's in the know, right? Yeah. And so it's part of the opening ceremonies and things like that. Yeah. That and that fun. makes it fun because then you have like a cheer for specific players. Like if you really like that player's sign, you it's sign, like a, yeah. like you know how Longhorns has their little thing, but then individual players would have their own little signs. Yeah, that would be cute. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, Sarah, what did you come up with? Okay. The first, okay. The first thing, I don't know why they don't, this is like, actually, I don't know why they don't do this right now is why don't, why doesn't he just have to like immediately take a knee or something? Like, why, like, isn't that what they do at the end zone when they're just down? So then they're like, for sure, yeah, that's start true, running. Like a lot of times they're like chasing them, like, so they're almost ready to tackle him, like as he's catching the ball. So the so like flatten himself down. Huh? Well, he has to catch. He, he has to like catch the ball still. So the whole point is so that he can catch the ball without just getting pummeled, you know, by someone sprinting at him at full speed. 
Because with right. the kickoffs, they're not going to make it all the way to the end zone by the time he's catching the ball, right? So, well, I, I think so. He might still get run over, even yeah. if he takes something quickly. Well, I think what Sarah is suggesting perhaps is that there's still a hand wave or perhaps an Elizabeth sign giving that indicates pre catch that it's a fair catch. But then also, after you do your sign, you catch it and then you take a knee. Because that prevents the it's sneak, like a sneak double, attack. Like a double, double yeah. secure or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that was like a real suggestion, but one that I think would be more fun and would genuinely improve the game is, so the problem is that you can't tell, like, and it's just too easy right now to like fake them out. So I think we need two players down there. And if one of them catches it, it's fair. If the other one catches it, he can run. So there's kind of like a devious one and then like a fair one. But for the fair player, I was trying to think of like who the most trustworthy person on the team is that needs to be the fair catch player and I think it's the mascot so I think the mascot is down there with like a devious player and I don't know who that is but just whoever they want to be the one who could potentially be sneaky and so they have to stand really close to each other so they don't know which one's going to catch the ball until last minute but then if the mascot has it at the end then it's just done plus then the ball is dead anyways because I bet if the ball hits the mascot that's like a dead ball Okay. I don't know if that's a rule, but it could be. Um, but they could do some like different kinds of plays where like he comes like he comes out from behind the mascot and catches it and keeps going, or like from inside, maybe secretly, there's the devious players in the mascot uniform and he jumps out last minute and takes it and runs. So I think there's a lot of good like trick plays you could come up with with this as well. Okay. That's my suggestion. There's there's one question that I have, Sarah, is yeah. If the mascot is the trustworthy of the two, what if your mascot is like the Sun Devils mm, yeah. or the Blue Devils or what's another? I, I feel like those are a couple examples of untrustworthy mascots. Like Perhaps Pirates, the Stanford maybe. Tree. Yeah. Or, or the, the uh, tree? Yeah. Untrustworthy. Yeah. Have you seen the Stanford Tree? Trust that tree? Are you can, have you seen yeah. that tree? He's definitely drugged up. There's no way you can trust There's that tree. No way. Uh, I think you can trust yeah. people more when they're drugged up because they have fewer inhibitions. Okay. That's perhaps. a different, maybe a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might just be a necessary aspersion on the team that that is the most trustworthy player. And everyone else is not trustworthy for purposes of the game, but that's their mascot, their problem. So there's a character, there's a character assessment that goes into this actually before before the whole game is played. Okay. And, Figure out yeah, it's interesting though, because maybe sometimes the mascot is the untrustworthy one, and the players of the other yeah. team have to decide how trustworthy that mascot is. So you don't know which one is the fair catch one. Mm. I don't know if that solves the problem. <laughs> I think it makes it worse. <laughs> but we're supposed fun. to be curing the ambiguity here. I would, I would be more likely to watch the game, and that's really what they're after, anyways. Is more that's, viewership. That, so that's true. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're all set then. Okay. Nice. All right, moving on to the next rule. So this one is the jump ball in basketball, and this is specifically for the rule that we have in the NBA. Because, you know, in college, we have the possession arrow, which goes back and forth. And overall, I would say that works pretty well, right? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the possession arrow. However, I do take issue with the NBA jump ball rule because um, it sometimes doesn't reward the player for a good hustle play. So, you know, currently in the NBA, if there is a jump ball called where both players have possession of the ball at the same time, um, they do a tip, a tip off. And so if, you know, it just happens to where the shortest player on your team 
gets in a jump ball with the tallest player on the other team, like you really just don't have any hope there you know, of getting the getting the tip. So, and I want to reward those smaller players more. I know I, I sympathize with that. And so, interestingly, Jordan, I I don't really have much of a problem with that rule. I think it's fine. Oh, surprising! Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Um, come back in ten years when you can't get get toilet paper under your shoe after your jump, and then we'll talk. Um, <laughs> that's already happened. <laughs> and that's already happening. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking, like, what what would be another fun thing that they could do? Um, you know, instead of the possession arrow, instead of the tip off, you know, it's like more skill oriented, something like that, or something to that effect, so that so they can decide who gets the jump ball after that. So, Sarah, it is your turn to go first. Okay. So I think now I have two ideas because something that you just said gave me another idea. My original idea is that the players have chosen violence and they must see it through. So <laughs> they've started to wrestle. Now it's a wrestling match. So it's a wrestling like, match. Okay. Quick deck change, put on the wrestling singlets. NCAA wrestling rules apply. The ball is there. They need to make a basket, like wrestle. They can wrestle each other, get it away from the person. You have to run and make a basket in your team's basket. And then it's your, you get the points and also it's your possession. I just feel like it's the right thing to like see that play all the way through. If you started the fight, then you can finish it. But I'm like, that also gives the advantage to the bigger player, probably. I mean, I don't know yeah. a lot about wrestling, like center of gravity and stuff might come into it. But, but I think if you outweigh the other guy by 100 pounds, you know. Yeah, you're kind of you're kind of done for. So that doesn't help a lot. So I think a different thing we could do is maybe a limbo competition. Because that would favor the shorter player. So maybe. Uh, probably. That's the only probably. thing. Yeah, I no, it would, yeah. Work all together again. Just so I think either of those. So yeah, it's just alternating. It's the limbo or the wrestling match. Which one are we doing? Maybe they flip a coin. Yeah, yep. it could be yep. like there a, a coin toss. Yeah. Nice, okay. I like I, that. I have a potential solution, Sarah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever did this drill, Jordan, but a drill that we did growing up in basketball, we would have two players start under the basket and the coach would roll the ball out to like the three-point line or something. And once he rolled it out, you just had to run and dive on the ball and get it. And whoever got the ball, they got the ball, and you played one-on-one, -on -one and whoever scores first wins. What if they get another jump ball from that? There is there is no jump. It, it's, it's wrestling, like Sarah said. And there then, is then, no, oh, then it's, it's like a wrestle. Whoever, whoever grabs it, it. Okay. whoever gets it, gets it. There is no stopping it. That drill um, sounds so much like, like being at the dog park to me. Like, okay, ready? <laughs> Roll out the ball. <laughs> Go <laughs> jump on it. It just seems kind of de dehumanizing yeah, at this point yeah, a little right. bit. Yeah. Okay, that would be really funny. I because yeah, I maybe mean, we could like it, it, make it like they were dogs. Like they have to go around these obstacles. Like they have to jump through hoops. Too, <laughs> like, the ball ball first. Yeah, do an agility course quickly. Yep, yep, something like that. They have to sit first, and then they can go get the ball. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Oh, sorry, I'm taking this too far. All right, Elizabeth, your turn. What um what rule changes would you implement here? This could be a bit chaotic, but if you had each of the players um do free throws until you know one of them misses and then the other person gets it, and it just it counts mm -hmm. so that they just keep racking up points. And oh, really? Counts. So the points count. Yeah. Yeah. So you could just right. really so then, rack up the points on this. Yeah, the best be. free throw player yeah. becomes super aggressive. And that's just yeah. his job now is to get yeah. in fights as much as 
possible so he can just keep shooting free throws the whole time. <laughs> yeah, because you keep going until the other person misses. So I could do that. But I think also you could have some other ways of just proving that you deserve the ball. Like, for instance, they just roll out a debate table and you have to explain to yeah, the audience. With like an argument yeah. for why you should get the ball. Exactly. And the most convincing yeah. person, it can be um, an audible vote. And so whoever is the most convincing, they quickly pull the audience. And... I think they might be a little biased with, with the home oh, crowd. That's true. That's what, true. About, what about the referees? The referees. Yeah, you could train the referees. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah. That's probably yeah. the right yeah, I love this because I feel like the NCAA, like one of their big goals is to emphasize education and like not letting that go like out yeah. of the college sports. So that brings in the necessity of more like intellectual debate in the yeah. game. True. Yeah, they could even host a local elementary school classroom or something like that. They're the judges for the evening. You know, you have a room full of fifth graders zooming in. Like, all yes. right, Mrs. Weaver's class, what do you think? What I'd really love is if they did, they brought in the fifth grade class, they did like, are you smarter than a fifth grader style? They ask wow. a question, and if they get the question right, if they beat the fifth grader <laughs> on the question, then they get the ball. But if that's not, excellent. then they surrender yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah. Good. I like that, too. It's, that would be very right. fun. Get the fans more involved, and then also, you know, promote, you know, the education, education. thing, you know. It's all great. And then for the, for the NBA, because the NBA has the issue of all the players. They only go to college for like one year or they may not, they may just go professional. Uh, so this provides an incentive to draft players who graduated because maybe they'll answer yeah. the questions correctly. More or likely. also maybe provide incentive for the players to educate themselves. Or yeah. it's just really entertaining when they give them wild answers. <laughs> that would also be funny. I'd love to get Kyrie Irving on an Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader thing. Oh no. Question one, is the earth round? <laughs> <laughs> oh is he a flat earther he's a flat earther yeah 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 anyways yeah, I, I would be concerned about some of the potential platforms we'd be giving some people oh, but boy. Yeah, that's, that's that, how it goes that might be scary yeah i like imagining that. like a ron artest getting up there yes well, well. dennis rodman or meta word meta world peace my bad he changed his yeah. name oh yeah let's see dennis rodman on <laughs> yeah all right we're on to the last one, which wasn't really a rule per se. It's like, how do we fix the entire sport of baseball? Because we all know mm -hmm. baseball is kind of boring. Uh, Super boring. Times. Brady's, Brady's nodding in agreement right now. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it has a lot of dead time, right? In between the pitches. Uh, and then a lot, of, a lot of like just periods of the game where nothing's really happening, right? Like, you have to wait for the players to hit the ball. And sometimes when they hit the ball, it's like an immediate out, stuff like that. So the whole challenge was what could be done to make uh, baseball more exciting, you know, get, get some of, rid of some of these lull periods and, you know, keep people who have short attention spans like me kind of more invested in the game. All right, Elizabeth, you're up. Okay. I had a bit of a problem with the premise of this question because I enjoy baseball. Um, but... Good. Yes. I agree that watching it on television is excruciating. That's not fun. Uh, it is way, way, way too slow. The way I enjoy watching baseball is in person. Um, so with that in mind, I feel like a couple things could be done. You could knock off a few innings, just make the game a little bit shorter uh, because it can drag out for a while. I know they recent, I think they recently got rid of overtime, right, in baseball. 
Um, they changed the rules a little bit, yeah, to where... Like, they still have extra innings and everything, right? But They do, but they started to do it. I think the rule now is after the, like, starting with the 11th inning, you get a batter on second base to start the inning. So it's, like, more likely... Okay, and you can score. Yeah. yeah. So that is probably helping. I think some other things you could do, though, that would be more extreme. Are you uh, ban it from being televised? And so people have to go in person. You have to enjoy it. And at that point, they're doing all the things that make it more entertaining anyway. They're having people in hot dog costumes racing with a, a mustard bottle. They are having uh, group crowd sing-alongs. They um, are passing out Cracker Jacks and lots of nostalgic food. Um, I feel like that really doesn't need improvement. So you could force people to get into the correct baseball environment for the game. Uh, alternatively, you could cover the game exclusively with really fun radio announcers uh, who do the play-by-play -play kind of interspersed with random facts. And you could also incorporate that into the setting itself um, where maybe there's a bit more ongoing commentary trivia kind of stuff going on. I like the idea of taking it off of television and not just because <laughs> But because I feel like it creates FOMO. Like, I don't want to see the game unless you tell me I can't see the game. And now I want to see it because what's why it's a secret now. Like, what's going on there that they can't put on television? And it's it's just baseball, but now I have to go and actually watch it. I like that. I, I think you bring up a good point, Elizabeth, in the fact that, you know, a lot of the fun part of baseball isn't enjoyed when you're sitting at home. So maybe they just really need to step up their game as far as the VR department is concerned. They can just like, you can have like a, a hot dog guy. It's like a robot that everyone has in their house. And um, the robot will bring you hot dogs and stuff like that. And then you have other robots that are doing other random things and stuff like that to kind of help bring the the baseball field atmosphere to your home. I can get behind that. Yeah, that, that sounds good. You could have a, like a subscription service of someone yeah. who like, like goes to your house or your front door and just yells like hot dogs or <laughs> cracker jacks and if you want some which you would because you're watching the game because you paid for the subscription service you just go outside and then give them like five dollars or whatever and he gives you those things like 85 dollars i feel like those things are always so expensive yeah. also apple vision yeah. pro just came out maybe there's something you can do with that that makes yeah. it fun there you go more more augmented reality yeah. All right, Sarah, what are your thoughts? So I have been preparing my whole life for this question because Brady likes baseball. And so it's on the rare occasion that I sit through an entire baseball game with him, which I never did. I swear I thought baseball games were like three innings before because when my family went, we go for like a minute and then we leave. Brady likes to watch the whole game. And so I have spent many hours telling him how the game could be better. And he kind of ignores all of my ideas. So this is where they all get to come out. Unfortunately, he was not saving them anywhere. So I, I don't remember all of them. But some that I do remember. Uh, the first one is unlimited secret baseballs. And that just means that just everyone can have baseballs secretly. And if it's going too slowly, they just get out another one. Maybe the second baseman has one. No, not the second baseman. The batter. If a batter makes it to second base, he has a secret baseball so he can like lob it to the batter who's on home plate and he can like score a home run but the twist is that maybe the pitcher also has a bat so if he really quickly can hit that instead then he gets a home run even though he's technically on the defense so that's one example of how a possible use of a secret baseball 
But I think that there are really unlimited applications there and lots of different, more interesting and fast paced plays that could be made. Um, so I know they have the walk-up songs that they do. And that honestly, to me, is probably the most entertaining part about baseball is like seeing everyone's walk-up song. I feel like you learn a lot about a player from their walk-up song. I think there should be mandatory dances to go with the songs. And there's some scoring element based on the dances associated with the songs. And so those could be a little bit longer because I think that would be interesting and would take up some of that time while the pitcher, like, I don't even know what he does the whole time, just like sits there and thinks about his life or something, but they could, you can be watching this guy doing some dances over on the home plate. Um, you don't like the pitcher introspection? Uh, you, don't of watch him. you don't want to just watch him just sitting there. I don't even know what they're doing. They're just hanging out. They're playing the game, doing strategy, thinking about what well, Honestly, they're doing. waiting for the batter to get up to the plate. So they the have a bunch of... They are even... just as zoned out as I am in that moment. We are all... As a whole stadium, everyone's just zoned out. They have notes for each batter to know, like, what kind of, where they're, what pitches are they hit I'm well. pretty sure they're thinking about what snacks they're going to eat after the game. Um, okay, my last one, and I think this is the best, is uh, power-ups. I think that there should be various power-ups on the field. Like Mario power-ups? <laughs> okay, so that's what I thought. I think, like... But I couldn't figure out how to give the players superpowers in real life. And so I was talking to Brady about it, and he thinks it could be like like changing the rules a little, or like if you get this certain power up, then you automatically get someone on base, or like um if you like a maybe there's a power up that's like out of the way, not quite to the base, so you could choose to make it to that one. And then if you catch that power up, you get an automatic double. What other ones did we come up with? There could be, there's a, a lot of different power-up options. Like you could have, mm -hmm. you could have things on the field that like, if you, if you're able to grab one, then it forces the next batter to have to bat the other with his other hands, like oh, yeah. the other way, or like if it, it gives you a, you, you grab it and yeah. at any point in time, you can, you can play it like a card and say, um, mm -hmm. you have to use a new pitcher. Or that, or, like, the batter gets to use a tennis racket. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, like, the next pitch has to be thrown with, like, like under 60 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. or, or something like that. Yeah. Or underhanded, yeah. yeah. I do think that it would utilize the outfield, because right now I feel like the outfield is, like, it's just a lot of land that there's, like, two people on. So if it was mm -hmm. full of power-ups, then more yeah, people would go, go out there. And it's risky, because you have to go out the outfield to get the power-up. Right. But that also takes you away from the base, so you might right. get out. Yeah. yeah, I think so they should have a motorized scooter as one of the power ups. So if you can hop on the scooter, then you can just zoom to zoom yes. to home base too. Yeah, it'd have to be yeah. a pretty serious scooter though that could. Yeah, I don't know if it's fast enough. Well you probably dirt. need like a you need like a dirt bike. Yeah. A dirt bike, yeah. That's what. Or you just anything that like completely encloses you, because then no one can tag you out. So no oh. matter how slow you're going, they can't tag Their you. Out. Truck. They put them in a monster truck and they can just. Yes. And then it turns it's into like a monster, a monster truck, truck in the rally, which, That would be awesome. If I was watching yeah. a baseball game and it turned into a monster truck rally, I would be ecstatic. Yeah. Plus, then there's the possibility that any baseball game could turn into that. So you would watch all of them because just, just in, case. in case. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I see a couple safety issues with Sarah's ideas in the in these between the monster <laughs> trucks and also multiple people having a bat at the same time. I think it's worth it. <laughs> I think we need some we need some drastic balls that could get thrown at any time. 
<laughs> any direction. We can talk about more equipment, more safety equipment as well, but that's, this is what I need in order to watch more baseball. I need all three of these implemented. You gotta start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, great. Yeah, those were awesome ideas. I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed this segment. This was really fun. And you guys had some great ideas. Honestly, some of them actually make sense. Like, uh, maybe, I mean, maybe not all of them, but like, like a few of them. Like, like, what do you mean? You know, I like talking to, to the refs. They can even like mic up the players for the fair catch call to like directly tell the refs, you know, that they're going to call for a catch and stuff like that. So all jokes aside, some of these ideas are actually really good, you know? Um, and then, yeah, a lot of these would be really fun. So. It would be important. So we'll just go ahead and call. I don't know who we, the only official person I can think of is Adam Silver. But we can call him about the jump ball. Yeah. Yeah. And call some other official Roger people. Goodell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm ready. Uh, and just remember, guys, when all these rules get implemented into these sports, just remember that it came here from here first. Mm -hmm. You the heard it here first. Yeah. The Provo Pick and Roll podcast has been known for its innovation and, and really being a leader in, in the sports and in really every way. So this yeah. is where he comes for all kinds of information, whether it be talking about BYU basketball or talking about um, secret, multiple secret baseballs. Unlimited. Unlimited secret. Yes, thank you for the clarification. That was <laughs> Make sure that's in included. It's unlimited. Also, um, calling patent right now on all of my ideas. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't, I need a lot of money. Okay. I don't know if that's how patent, patents work. That's not how patents work. You can't just call patent. It's not like this. <laughs> I'm not allowed to call Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah but I would advise, advise, like, talking to someone who could tell you if that would give you some legal advice. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good job there. All right. Well, uh, that's all we have for today for this episode of the Provo Pick and Roll podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're always glad for you guys to to listen to our various rantings and yeah we're so excited we're able to have some guest stars today so hopefully this will be something we can do more in the future but until next time whoosh kevin and go kooks